into uh, this particular ministry uh, and uh, just encourage our hearts with regard to the fact that God has called us to stand. I just want to encourage your hearts that God is building his church in these days. You know, I talk to people, I even talk to people that are in Christian leadership that aren't too sure about that. But I want to say, friend, and if, if they're not sure about it, they didn't ought to be in Christian leadership. But the reality is that God is building his church. He's building his church in the earth. He's doing amazing things. And he's building his church in this nation. And we need to continue to believe that God will continue to build his church in this nation. I wrote in the weekly news that just had the privilege this week of listening to Pastor Dave Smith from Peterborough Kingsgate Church. A church that he planted um, 25 years ago next year. And after four years, they got 25 people. So that was great growth, wasn't it? But they kept going. They kept going. They kept going. They believed God. They believed God had a word for their hearts. And today, 1,600 people have met at Kingsgate Church in sleepy Peterborough. If you don't know where it is, if you aim for Cambridge, you'll sort of be fairly near. Um, But people say to me, well, where is it? You know, it's just off the A1. And uh, God's building his church. And when people determine to come together for such a time as this, God will build his church. They felt that God whispered to him, and I reminded us that it sounded like circle maker ministry, that, you know, he wasn't to ask God for prayers that would limit him. And I want to encourage our hearts, friends, that God is building his church. And he wants to build his church where we live. He wants to build his church in this town. He wants to do something that he's never done before. He wants to have a, a company of people coming together that seemingly the cynics would say that's numerically impossible. It'll never happen, never has happened, never will happen. God wants to do it. Not just because he's bothered about numbers, although he did write a book in the Bible called Numbers, so he's not against it either. But the fact is, friends, because he wants more people in than out. He wants more people actually coming under the reign of Jesus, as we've sang tonight. I want to encourage our hearts. I want to encourage our hearts on nights like tonight when we've got quite a few people away. When we've got different people in different situations and we could look around and, you know, it could just sap us a little bit. But we just need to keep going, friends, because God's going to do what he's going to do. And people will be back next week and uh, we'll be ready to sort of continue to go forward in God's purpose. I want you to keep going when we maybe go through a phase where we've not seen a lot of people getting saved every week. Because we're going to come to places where we're going to see people saved every week. I want you to keep going when... We are praying for prodigals to come back to faith that haven't yet come back because they're going to come back. You see, don't keep praying to God things that limit him. Keep praying to God for things that only he can do. And God is building his church in an amazing way in Jesus' name. He's building it in all sorts of ways as well. And we're just giving thanks and praise for his goodness and for his grace. This morning I was in Spalding and Lincolnshire Roads and Fog do not make for fast progress. And uh, so anyway, we got there. We got there on time because we set out in time. It's always a good thing to do. Set out enough time to get there in case you get Lincolnshire Roads and fog. And, uh, and so the reality is there's a church. People say, well, where's that? Well, it's near, it's near Peterborough. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, the reality is you could drive through that little town known for its tulips and its flower shows and think, so what? But God's building his church. It's got a different style to us. It's got a little different vibe, but it's church. And God's building it. And uh, in that church, they've got two houses that they use to minister out to people that have got issues in their lives, problems in life. It's just starting a, a, another house that's being opened that will eventually have 14 young women that will be able to stay there. That have all sorts of problems that have been thrown out of their own house, that have got no self-esteem, poor self-image. In, in Spalding. 
You know, because God is always going to build his church. And Chas and Marion have done a great job there over many, many years. And it's a privilege just to go and fuel that journey. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. When people tell you he's not doing it, Jesus says that he's doing it. You only get three promises in the Bible that aren't conditional. One is that I will come again. And lots of folks have tried to second guess that over the years. Don't bother about it. Just get all of the promise. He's coming. The, other one, the second one is that he will pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And the Bible says that the, the spirit of God will be poured out on the earth as the waters cover the sea. And the third one is I will build my church. And he simply is looking for people to join in with the promise. And I believe he's found some people here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, friends, as we encourage our hearts tonight. It'll be a well-known passage of scripture to some of you. I'm just going to read about four verses. Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor or the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now in my Bible it says for our struggle, but in many Bibles it says for we wrestle. I'm going to come back to that word in a moment. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, about the power, against the powers of the, this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Four times in those few little verses, we are called to stand. You know, those of you that know your Bibles, you know this passage of scripture, I think, pretty well. He's talking about the fact that as Christians, we are in a battle. Now, I'll come to it in a moment, but we can approach that very negatively, or we can approach it in a blase way. But the thing is, friends, that God doesn't want us to ignore it. And I understand sometimes that churches have put prayer meetings on at times, and we've done prayer meetings all times of the day, early morning, late night. And uh, for a, a season, we did a late night, Friday night prayer. And it worked really well. We had some tremendous times. I'm looking at Andy because he very often led us in worship on those Friday evenings. The reality is that Friday is a very spiritual day in the earth because the, the Muslims are crying out to their God and, and uh, the Jewish Shabbat starts at sundown on Friday. And uh, lots of Christian people, uh, lots of black majority churches in this country are often praying on a Friday. And uh, there's nothing spiritual about Friday apart from the sense that there's lots of activity taking place. And we, we pray. I've heard churches say we're praying on a Friday or Saturday, because we're going to go to war. I understand that, but the reality is you don't go to war. The Bible tells you you're in one. Yeah. You see, when you pitched up for the Christian faith, how many of you found out pretty quickly there was somebody trying to stop you? Yeah. It's called a battle. You realize there were things in your life that warred against what you wanted to do. Yeah. Well, cheer up, because in Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul says, the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing, and the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. In other words, he expressed... A battle. Things seem to come against you. I've come to people and said, before I became a Christian, I sort of seemed to have a nice, easy life. I became a Christian and all sorts of things began to sort of come to my life. Sometimes it's words that people say. Sometimes it's put down. Sometimes it's ridicule. But we could become conscious that we have signed up for a battle. Now, the Bible doesn't want you to get battle weary. It doesn't want you to overplay on, 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 on a side of this particular context that becomes negative. But he wants us to understand that we don't struggle against flesh and blood. We're not to call to 
to battle with each other. We're called to be united with each other, to love one another, to encourage one another, to support one another, to accept one another, to bear one another's burdens. That's what we're called to do to flesh and blood. But our struggle, our wrestle is against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world. And God calls us to do everything that we can to stand. And of course, if you carried on reading Ephesians 6, you'll find that God causes us to wear the armour from head to toe. And we're not going to go there tonight because I just really want to concentrate on this thought of taking our stand. As believers, friends, there can be events, circumstances, situations, unexpected crises and issues. Things that would, at times, seem to cause us to topple. And I have to say that the enemy has no sentiment about wanting to see you crash. You need to realise that. But God says that in the power of my strength, you don't have to crash because I've called you to stand. C.S. Lewis gave a brilliant quote once to help us live with some balance with regarding to spiritual conflict. And sometimes people mock balance as though we're trying to underplay something or downplay it. Balance is simply, friends, trying to find really what the middle ground of truth is. And he said these words, the writer of Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe and all those sorts of wonderful stories. And someone that, some of you have watched the film, came, came to faith. He came to faith through pain. He came to faith through struggle. He came to faith through people, things seemingly going wrong in his life. And he said these words, there are two equal and opposite errors to which People fall about the devil and dark forces. Number one is to deny their existence. And there are people tonight, friends, that would deny the existence of the enemy. They won't stand in a pulpit and say so. And number two is to have an excessive and unhealthy interest. He is equally pleased with both extremes, hailing the magician and the materialist with equal delight. You get it? So the fact that we don't want to deny him, oh no, we don't talk about those sorts of things because he don't really exist anymore. Just a figment of your imagination. Don't worry about it. That's one extreme. The other extreme is, friends, we're always bigging the devil. I was talking to somebody once and he said, the pastor of our church has just done a 26-week series on the works of Satan. Well, that's really going <laughs> to that's, that's really build the church, isn't it? 26 weeks. That's the other extreme. But the reality is, friends, we don't deny the power of the enemy. We're very conscious. I'm very conscious at times. Very conscious. But the reality is we're not bigging him up as well because our saviour is the God of the Most High. The Bible says that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But hear us tonight. We understand that sometimes there's a struggle for the victory. There's a contesting. There's something that we have to understand that will seek to hold us back. We need to press through. So in these Bible verses, the Apostle Paul writing to the church. I love this. This is a typical preacher because he starts this passage. Finally, it's a long conclusion. You ever ever heard a minister saying, I'm just finishing. Yeah, right. (laughs) Finally, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your Stand. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you are able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Stand firm then. There's going to be a ministry on standing firm and standing together in other weeks, and we look forward to that. 
What does this word stand in the original really mean? Well, the original word in the New Testament language was estarming. It means to abide, to continue, to be established, to set. It's not talking about just standing around. It's not talking about standing at ease. It's not being standing at a loose end. It's about alertness and readiness. It's if you like being on sentry guard. It's ready to go. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's facing what God has called us to be. And our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but powers in the heavenly realms. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let me just stop there a minute at wrestling. Now, WWF's become very popular, hasn't it, over the last few years? You know, the North American thing. And um, I don't, don't worry, I'll watch it. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to make a point. But maybe you do watch it. It's become very popular. It's on some of the satellite channels and it seems to have big crowds in America. I want to tell you that is not real wrestling. I'm going to come to real wrestling in a moment. Now then, if you're as old as me, can I take you to four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon? Come on! You see? Kent Walton. Can you remember? Kent Walton. ITV wrestling. Okay. Jackie Palo. Mick McManus, Big Daddy, Big... Hey, if your name's Shirley Crabtree, you need a nickname, don't you? Big Daddy. Wrestling. That wasn't real wrestling either. I used to say to me, Grandad, Grandad, why is it that when the football results are about to come on, that bout always seems to finish? He says, it's fixed. <laughs> and he was right. Kent Walton used to start the program by saying, hello, all you grappling fans. It's another name for wrestling. Grappling fans. And so that's not wrestling. But now let me tell you what proper wrestling is. Greco-Roman wrestling. Now it might have passed you by in the wonderful celebration of the summer. But Greco-Roman wrestling has been in the Olympic Games since 1908. And we're not very good at it, so we didn't sort of home in it on it at the Olympics. But it took place in the Olympics. I need uh, Chris and Pete just to come and help me a minute, okay? Oh, no, 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 no. There's not going to be a fight, okay? <laughs> but here's the, here's the reality of Greco-Roman wrestling. You're not allowed to do any falls below the waist. So what happens is that they often... If you, they wear these leotard things. Have you seen them with a the strap around it? Ooh, it pulls it up. You know, and, you know, and then they've got the boots on. So what they do is they're often put the, and Chris, if you, and, and they'll be grappling, grappling around here, and they'll try and score the force. It's a very technical. It's a very, very technical sport. And if you don't know what you're looking for, then you know it's going to be pretty boring. Thanks, guys. That was. But, that is real wrestling. You know. The, the others are just showbiz. But that's real wrestling. There were gold medals won for Greco-Roman wrestling this year in the Olympics. Grappling. And here's the truth. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think Paul likes sport because he, he makes lots of references to it in the New Testament. He'd be here today. He'd love the Premier League. He'd love all of that. Because he's making lots of references to sport. And the fact is that in the ancient world, the ancient games used to take place, they fully understand what he was talking about. Not WWF, not, not ITV, but they understood that sort of wrestling, that sort of combat, grappling. And the reality is that's what he was saying, you see, because the enemy's about ensnaring people. 
entrapping people, entangling people. That's what he loves to do. And I tell you, friends, I, I, I really get annoyed at times when I see what the work of the enemy does in people's lives. When I heard this lady talking this morning about what the work of the enemy does in some of those young girls that they're trying to reach out to, I tell you, he ensnares, he entraps, he entangles people and causes them to be reduced to something that God's not called them to be. He seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy. And the Bible reminds us tonight that that's the sort of combat that we're in, that he'll try and entwine us with, with, that, with wrong and, um, and, and with things that make us less than what he's called us to be. So we're not denying the reality of the battle. But here's the truth tonight, friends. We don't need to be defeated in the battle because we can make our stand. We can make our stand alone and we can make our stand together as a community of believers. And whatever the enemy seeks to do over Mansfield, whatever he seeks to do over this M1 corridor, Whatever he seeks to do in this area that we represent, we need as the believers of God to continually keep standing for the Lord. To make us, having done all, stand. Stand then. Stand therefore in the armor of God. Stand firm with everything that we've got for the praise of his name. And as I say, over the next few weeks, there'll be three or four expressions of ministry that will encourage us in aspects of standing. Tonight I just want to give a, two or three general points just over what I've tried to communicate there. I want to encourage you tonight, if you feel that something's seeking to entangle you and trap you, maybe to do with your head, it may be to do with your image. And when I say image, friends, I'm not afraid to use that word. I'm not about image in terms of your 15 minutes of glory on X Factor. So, oh yeah, or I want to be like him, I want to be like her. I'm on about the fact of the enemy undermining what you really are. And whispering into your heart saying, you'll never be this, you'll never be that. And you grappling with those things. Maybe tonight's the night to get some victory. It may be that sometimes he entangles you in your past. And my Bible tells me that when we come to Jesus, friends, our past is dealt with. But I still come across people that are haunted by their past. That think they'll never get free of their past. And God says... He doesn't want us to live there. So three things tonight about standing. Number one, we need to stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, God's speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. It's another one of those easy books to read. You ever try reading it? There's wheels flying about, there's fire all over the place. Because he dealt in pictures. He was a prophet. Some of the prophets were very pragmatic, practical. Some of them were sort of seemingly up there somewhere with pictures. Here's one of the picture guys. So it's not an easy book to read. But the heart of it is that Ezekiel's trying to share the heart of God with the people. And to, and to bring some urgency of the hour to the people to turn to God. That's great prophetic ministry in whatever age. And in Ezekiel, God says in Ezekiel 22, he says, Ezekiel, I'm looking and seeking for someone who could stand in the gap. And here's the sadness of the verse. I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't find anybody. Standing in the gap. One translation says, but I found no one. I do not believe, friends, that that's the reality of what God wants today. And I believe there are people emerging in our nation today that are standing in the gap. One of the ways that we particularly express gap standing ministry is in prayer 
and intercession. People are praying. And I I know that around Arena Church, there are some people praying, and some people are praying a lot more than you'd realize. But they are standing in the gap. They are standing for God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 to 3, that we're we're to offer our prayers and our intercessions, our intercession and our supplication to God. We're to pray for those in authority. We're to pray for kings and queens, that they may lead a quiet life, and that all may come to know the Lord, Because the Lord's not willing that any should perish, seeking after God. And I want to encourage you tonight to be a person that stands in the gap. That is an intercessor. I understand, friends, tonight that people have a ministry of prayer, a calling to prayer. I get that. But here again is one of those words that sometimes can push people back. Because they can say, well, yeah, yeah, he's an intercessor, but I'll, I'll never be, you know. She's so spiritual, I'll never be like that. Here's the truth. Every time that you stand in the gap on behalf of somebody else, that is intercessory ministry. Every time. And God wants you to go on a journey that lengthens that and deepens it. But every time that you commit to stand in the gap, you intercede. There used to be a song that we used to sing some years ago that says, Touching Heaven changing earth people friends all around this area across our church across this district that will touch heaven to change earth where can we stand in the gap for well we can stand in the gap for family i would imagine tonight that it would be very rare that in our church every member of every family is saved somewhere along the line even if lots of the family are saved There'll be somebody that's strayed. It may be that you're the only member of your family that's become a Christian. I get people coming to me in Ilkeston and say, I'm I'm the first person that's ever become a Christian in our family. I say, isn't that fantastic? You think so? Yeah, because what an opportunity you've got to affect the next generations coming behind you. I've got one lady now that's bringing a granddaughter to Sunday school because she's determined to pass on the love of God from one generation to another. It's implementing Psalm 145 and verse 4, that we would tell one generation after another the wonderful works of God. So family is an area where we can stand in the gap. Community is an area where we can stand in the gap. If you sometimes read something in the chat that concerns you, if sometimes you're you're a bit perplexed or worried about your street, your community, where you live. How about standing in the gap for it? How about saying, I'm going to pray over Mansfield, 15 minutes a week, 10 minutes a day, whatever goal you set yourself. I'm going to pray over my community. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and we're a, a Pentecostal church that believes in the power of speaking in tongues. We speak not with our understanding, but the Bible says that we don't need to pray with our understanding always, because we can pray without understanding, but God hears us and he's just got his church to pray in this particular season of prayer life in tongues five minutes a day he says it's incredible the impact it's had on the church and it needs a discipline so praying for family praying for community praying for the town to turn praying for things to change what about territory see if the, if the enemy friends is keen to set up his authorities over territories how much more Should the church of Jesus Christ be raising itself up to contend for territory? Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Someone says that there is an unquestioned link between prayer and a move of God. I've sat, I've sat with leaders at times, I've sat with Christians and said, do you think we need to pray to bring revival or is God just going to do it? Or There's an unquestioned link between prayer and moves of God. There is nowhere, friends, in history where there has been a significant move of God where you've not been able to trace it back to people that have stood in the gap. Standing in the gap is so important and God wants us to do it tonight. Number two, standing out in the crowds. Listen to these words from Philippians. Chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Well, they've not had British gas in this week, changing a boiler. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move on, okay. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Shining stars in the sky. There's a potential tonight, for I think tonight, to be quite a clear night. So when we've had some of these lovely sunny days, it's gone quite frosty in the evening, quite cold, quite clear. And all you just look up at a black sky, and all of a sudden the black sky is it, it, sort of intermittently sort of looking across the sky. Stars shine out, they twinkle, they're easily seen. They, they stand out from the backdrop. And that's what God's calling us to be there in Philippians, to stand out as stars in the sky, in this crooked and warped generation. Not standing out because you're weird. Not standing out because you're odd. Not standing out because you're strange. But standing out because you're in the light. And you living in the light means you make a difference to the dark. That's what it means. And of course there's a tendency for every one of us to be, want to be part of the crowd. I mean... Those of you that raise kids know that particularly when they get to a certain age, probably 12, 13 onwards, they like to be part of the crowd. It's called peer pressure. And you'll get a comment like this when they get to about 15. Dad, I, I'm going out tonight. Yeah, okay. What time are you coming in? Oh, about half past three. That's in the morning, not afternoon. Okay. And you say, no, 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 no. You're not. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Everybody else's mum and dad says it's okay. Okay. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Everybody else is doing it. Peer pressure. And you've got to understand, friends, that it's kind of... But going to Mansfield on a Friday night, why is 20 blokes walking around together? You know, because they like to be part of a crowd. Crowd. And sometimes they get up to things that they shouldn't be doing when the crowd stirs each other. Sometimes you've heard people get in trouble in the, in the paper... And say, this person's normally a really nice person, but he got in with the wrong crowds. And friends, there's nothing wrong at times with being part of company and mixing with people and being sociable. But our calling is to stand out from the crowds because light is in our lives. Let me give you very, very briefly three examples. Number one, Joseph stood out from the crowd morally. In Genesis 39, 
Forget Mills and Boone, you just need to read Genesis 39, it's graphic. Because it talks about a scene of seduction where Potiphar's wife's trying to lure Joseph into a relationship. And the young man, described as handsome, lots of gifts, charismatic, well able. The Bible says he ran for it. You know that he went to prison for his pains, an innocent man in prison, wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. But this time he's in prison. But he stood out from the crowd morally. If, if I can be blunt, friends, he refused to compromise his sexual integrity because he, he, he submitted to a higher authority, and that was the Lord God Almighty. My, what a message for 21st century living. We need to stand out from the crowds. What about the three you men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abud, and Abednego? You see, I've, I've heard the corny jokes so many times. <laughs> I was determined tonight that I wasn't going to do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood out from the crowd behaviorally. Nebuchadnezzar got into a right lather and says, I'm building this huge altar. Huge altar. And he says, when the music plays, I want everybody to bow down to it. You can read it in Daniel 3. These guys says, no, no, no. And they had what I call, because the Bible describes it as this, a... What if mentality? In other words, I think around verse 17 they said, we know God's able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to this altar. Do you know the story? The three men got thrown in the furnace. The furnace was so uh, increased in heat that the guys that were stoking the furnace were dying. And then the king looked on and says, how many did we throw in the furnace? Three. I see four. And the fourth is light unto the Son of Man. You know why, friends? Because I believe that's what the theologians call a Christophany. In other words, Jesus was right in the furnace with them. When they poured him out of the furnace, it says even the clothes didn't smell of smoke. Well, you stand next to a bonfire week on Monday and walk in. It's a miracle. They determined to stand out behaviorally from the crowd. They refused to compromise their worshipful spirit, even if it meant that their life was in danger. I was talking to Sharon today, you know, and sometimes you'll get people saying, you know, I need God to come through. I understand that. But let me tell you, friends, 2,000 years ago, God came through. He came through in the form of Jesus. And if he never did anything again, he came through. And there's times, friends, where we're going to get thrown into context where we say, God, we know you can sort this out, but even if you don't, we're going to serve you, we're going to worship you, we're going to follow you, we're going to lead to you, because we want to stand out in the crowds. Thirdly, Peter and John, not only morally, behaviorally, but also in ministry in Acts chapter 4, says that there were many threats against them. They were thrown in prison, but they said, we must always obey God rather than man. We can't stop doing the works that God has called us to do. You know, friends, I, I love to read about great men and women of, of history that have, that have served the Lord. And I, I was sharing in ministry in another context some time ago about William Booth. He's one of my heroes. He's the son of Nottingham. And uh, people think he's from the East End of London, but he was born in Stenton. And then moved to the East End of London to start his ministry that became known as the Worldwide Salvation Army. Still doing a great job in the earth today. And I read this piece, friends, about how he used to come home at night often bloodied across his head across his body where people would throw stones at him because he was ministering and seeking to reach the poor and uh, threats pe- that 
jumped up charges against people in the Salvation Army when it first started to put people in prison. All sorts of things taking place. These guys said, you can threaten us, you can abuse us, you can do whatever you want. We're committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. It's a brilliant story. I want to encourage you tonight, friends, that sometimes some people might not get you. One of the things I continue to live with in my life sometimes is being misunderstood. There are people close to me that don't get me. They really don't get me. They don't get my motivation for life. They don't get the decision-making that Sharon and me make. They don't get why we do what we do. Sometimes it can be painful. It can be painful. Maybe it's painful for you. Maybe your family don't get you because you're a believer. And I want to encourage you tonight, whatever's said against you, to say, God, we're determined to stand out in the crowd. Thirdly, friends, we stand in the gap. We stand out in the crowds. And we stand up for the Lord. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 says these words. The Holy Spirit had just been poured on the church. And he says, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. You know, last week I was talking in the context about being confronted with the word. And Dave Smith really blessed me on Tuesday. Because he said, as much as we had the presence of God in Acts chapter 2, it was only after the word was preached. That 3,000 people got to say, I love this man. See, we need presence and preaching, friends. It's not one or the other. Went through a phase in church. It's all fantastic. We've not had preaching in our church for 10 weeks. God's working. Really? He's presence and preaching. I understand that God can come in a particular way at times. We want to be sensitive to that. But after somebody had stood up with the 11 and declared the words... He says, the people were cut to their hearts and said, men, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 people became believers in Jerusalem. This was the guy that just a few weeks earlier had been denying the Lord. So I don't even know him. And read the, read the verses carefully of the Gospels because he denied him with swears and oaths. In other words, the more people pushed him to confess that he was a disciple, the more he swore back. Read it. Let your imagination run riot. It was a terrible failing of the Lord. But here he is, empowered by the Spirit, standing up and preaching the Lord. If you've messed up, if you've failed, if, you, if you've swore oaths and said, I don't even know that, Jesus, there's another chance, friends. There's another chance. There's always another chance when we'll come back to God and let God use us. And in this day of materialism, Where people define their success simply by what they've got. Even though Jesus says that man's life does not consist of the things that he's got. In this day of pluralism where people say, well I believe a bit of Jesus and I believe a bit of this and I believe a bit of that. I believe a bit of the other. That's why we're doing Colossians on a Tuesday night in in our discipleship group at the moment. Even in this day of humanism that says, I'm in charge. I'm God's. Nobody. Even in this day of relativism that says, well it doesn't matter what, what you believe as long as you believe something. Because... But you determine what you believe and it will get you to where you need to get to at the end of the day. All those things going off. Interestingly, friends, all those things going off in the ancient world all those years ago. But somebody stood up for the Lord and declared the word of God. Only if some of you can remember that old hymn. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross. I've changed it. In fact, it says ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high. His royal banner, it must not suffer loss. 
I close with a story about a well-known Christian leader. In 1521, the German priest Martin Luther was called before the German Empire. We'll record him a Kaiser in another day. To give account for his teachings that were sweeping through Europe. In 1517, the Reformation had begun. And Luther was the catalyst for the Reformation that swept through Europe. He put his 95 articles on the door at Wittenberg that declared what he believed in. It was basically this. Hang on a minute, guys. We've spent a thousand years in dead religious works. He saw people paying penance and paying the priests. He says, it's wrong. He came to a revelation, a revelation that we were justified, that we stood worthy before God through what Jesus Christ had done for us on the cross. And he restored the truth back to the church. And it spread like wildfire. Four years later, the German emperor brings him before the council and says, Mate, he probably didn't say that, Mr. Luther, here Luther, okay, let's get it right. (coughs) You need to stop saying this. He said, I can't. I can't. Because it's the calling over my life. And he said these words, Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. You know, friends, out of that meeting, Luther was declared an outlaw. And the emperor gave permission in Germany for anybody that wished to, to kill him. He survived another 25 years by the miracle of God. But that was, that was what he lived under. But he said, I can't change. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Arena Church Mansfields, as we enjoy this little series together, it's a continual encouragement for us to stand. Maybe you felt like toppling. Maybe you felt weak. Maybe you felt disappointed. Maybe you felt you didn't want to go on. But I want to encourage you to recognize, friends, that you can. Not because you do it in your own efforts or through your own mind, but because you're in the Lord. And we do have a struggle. We are aware of the battle at times. But God says, stand. Stand in the gap and be an intercessor. Stand out from the crowds, even when it's easier to go with the crowds. And stand up for the Lord. Let's pray. The band are going to...